0: Well, this morning, we are going to continue the series we started last week called Money Talks. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 10. So if you would, would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 10. It says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He's given to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And I want to read one more text. We don't have to flip there. It's just one verse. Psalm chapter 24, verse one says this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I want to title this message simply Money Talks. Whose money? Would you pray with me for a minute? Lord Jesus, we love you. Oh, Holy Spirit, rest on us. We love your ministry more than we love our own. It is your service and your bride. Teach us. Holy Spirit, And Lord, if you're not glorified in any other place, would you be glorified in this place? And if you were not glorified in any other heart, would you be glorified in this heart? Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, empower us. To live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You guys can take a seat. Amen. Money Talks. We started this series last week and we titled it Money Talks because we know we want to talk about money and we know that culturally, Money talks. And if money talks, then we also know that it doesn't always align with Scripture. And if money talks, we also know that money lies. And if money lies, we need to understand that money ought not to be the loudest voice in our lives because if it is, it will end up leading us, even controlling us. Last week, we had the opportunity to discuss what Jesus says about money. And Jesus says, don't be anxious about money. Why we ought not be anxious about money is because we have a loving Father in heaven who provides for birds and lilies in the nations, and you are much more valuable than birds and lilies. Therefore, you ought not be anxious about your money. And it frees you up from believing the lie about the tithe. And the lie about the tithe is that I can be better to me than God can be to me. Therefore, I won't tithe. But no, friend, God is a good father who desires to give you the kingdom. You cannot be better to yourself than God can be to you. And it is our true and good obedience to tithe as a follower of Jesus. Therefore, I tithe. And I will not be anxious because my father cares for me. This week, we have the opportunity to discuss a different aspect of money. And the aspect that we're going to look at today is stewardship. You know, you carry something differently when it's not yours. You ever notice that? That when you're holding something that's not yours, you carry it really differently. I, in high school, was uh, dog sitting my neighbor's dog. They went out of town for like a week and they said, hey, can you come by maybe two, three times a day and make sure our dog is okay, give them food, let them out. They had two dogs. They had a fence in the backyard. And I said, sure, why not? I'll go care for your dogs. This was the last time I cared for their dogs because of what happens in the story. I end up caring for my friends two dogs as they go, and the first, second, third days are awesome. Once we get to the fourth day, they're like, yeah, just let them out a few times a day. We have a fence, so you can leave, let them out, be outside, and then come back like an hour or two later, just let them back in. I said, perfect. So I go and let these dogs out on the fourth day, leave, go back to my house, come back. They had two dogs, and they're usually best friends. But when I came back, I saw one dog was on that side of the yard, and another dog was on that side of the yard. And I looked, and I was like, what's going on? So I opened the door and this dog comes sprinting inside. And I was like, okay. And this dog comes like shamefully like limping inside, but not in pain, just out of disgust because this dog had been sprayed by a skunk. It was all, but it was also horrible. And this dog tries to come inside. And so I was like, man, this is the worst. Like this isn't even my dog. Oh my gosh. So I try and clean the dog off by spraying it down, which made it worse because now it's just a stay wet. Skunky dog <laughs> long story short. That was the last time I babysat those people's dogs. They were super gracious They were super kind. They said hey, it's fine You can just leave her outside like we'll be out back pretty soon Just make sure she has food and water and all those types of things But how many of you know how badly I felt because I wasn't just caring for my dog I was caring for somebody else's dog and you carry something differently when it's not yours The scripture says in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That everything that we see isn't ours, it's actually God's. And it's important that we start from this place because if we don't start from this place, that God has everything, then when we don't get what we think we deserve from God, we'll think we're cheated by God. That doesn't mean that you do not have things. That just means that everything you have has been given to you. Stewardship. That you are holding something that is not yours. And the reason that I think a lot of us might struggle with money is because this we believe the lie that money tells us about stewardship, which is simply this it's my money. Money talks. Whose money? We believe the lie that all of our money is actually our money. Giving is at the heart of who Christians are. And if we think that the money is our money, then we'll do with it what we want to do with it. But if the money is actually God's money, then we do with it what he wants us to do with it. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth and he's actually speaking to them about their giving. Because Corinth had... This idea that they wanted to give money, but Paul wasn't really sure that they were going to give the money. So Paul says, I'm going to send somebody, Titus, to come and collect the money because they had this idea of giving, but they had not actually given yet. Eugene Peterson, I believe, puts it really, really perfectly. He says, intentions are good, but they must mature into commitments if we actually want change. You see, Corinth had this idea and this intention to give, but they had not yet committed to give. And maybe it's like some of us today, that we intend to use our money for God, or we intend to give faithfully, but we have not yet committed to give faithfully. Therefore, we have not changed. And intentions are only as good as your commitments. I believe Corinth thought that that money was their money. Why do I believe that? It's because Paul actually reassures them by saying, God distributes freely. Paul reassures them by saying, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Now, why would Paul reassure them that all of this comes from God if they were already aware of it? I believe that Paul is reassuring the Corinthians that this is not your money. This is his money. And so what is stewardship? Stewardship is simply this. We hold it like it's his. Our money is not ours to do with whatever we desire. We hold it like it's his. That means that we have God first, foremost, and final when it comes to our money that he is first and that nothing comes before him, that he is foremost and that nothing is above him and he is final, which means if he and I disagree, he wins. He is first, foremost, and final when it comes to my money because the truth is it is not my money. Did you know that Jesus said you are actually unable to serve God and money, that you as a human, it is not possible for you to serve both God and money. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says that, if you try and serve two different masters, you're either going to love one and hate the other or, love, or despise one and cherish the other. He says you can't serve two masters. You actually can't serve God and money. And some translations say God and mammon. Mammon was this God of money. And so it says you can't serve God and money. And this is the only time in scripture that I'm aware of that Jesus himself places another God next to himself. It's the only time which tells you how important Jesus thinks how you see money is. It's not that Jesus says money is God. It's that money reveals who your God actually is. You actually live in the, I love second service. (laughs) Jesus isn't saying that mammon is actually God. He's saying it's going to reveal who your God is. If you serve money, Your God is money. He says, you can't serve me and money at the same time. You're either going to love me and hate money or you're going to hate me and love money. Holding it like it's his means, I believe, three things that scripture teaches. You maximize it, you receive it, and you release it. According to scripture, there are three ways that we use our money biblically. We maximize what we've been given. We receive it and we release it. He says that God has given seed to the sower. Did you know that God has given you something? Some of us think, well, no, 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 I don't really have, no, no, no. It might not be what you want, but it's what you got. No, God has not given nobody nothing. He has given everybody Something. You have something from God. Even if it's it's not as much as you want, he's given you something. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. And he has given you something to steward and to steward and to hold it like it's his. And the Lord's prayer, I believe, speaks really aptly to this. In the Lord's prayer, Jesus says, pray like this. And he says, Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Something that we're all pretty much probably familiar with, but how do you know how God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven? How does that actually happen? This is a place where I believe Christians misunderstand our roles in the Christian life. We pray, God, bring the kingdom when God, I believe, is telling us, Bring the kingdom. (laughs) It is your responsibility as a follower of Jesus to bring the kingdom of God wherever you go. Jesus ushered in the kingdom when he came and lived on earth and then he left. He didn't take the kingdom with him. He brought the kingdom and then he says, my disciples now will bring the kingdom wherever they go. Did you know that you're a little Christ? A Christian, that's what that means. You are a little Christ, which means that you are supposed to show everybody else what Jesus looks like. So when the kingdom of God is supposed to be expressed and his will is supposed to be shown, we do not pray and beg and plead, God, would you please come save our nation? Would you please come and... Save our country and our county and do all these things. Those are good prayers to pray. But I believe when we pray, God, would you please bring the kingdom? God is looking at you and he's like, would you please bring the kingdom? (laughs) Why? Because the responsibility to bring the kingdom is now wherever you go. Don't beg God to bring the kingdom when he's asking you to bring kingdom. The kingdom. Why is that important? It's because God expects you to do everything that you do like he would do it. That's you might be like who cares about that? No, no, no. That matters because the standard in how you're supposed to steward your money, his money, is you're supposed to use your money like he would use your money. On earth as it is in heaven. Your job is to use this money that God gave you like Jesus would use the money that God gave him. If you're sitting in this room, I hope it's going through your head right now. That sounds impossible. And just like every teaching of Jesus, it is. Which is why it requires faith. How many of us actually use faith with our money? And how many of us just use faith when we're broke? Right? Like it's very easy to have faith when you're broke. You can pray all the time and trust God with everything when you're broke. But how much of us use our faith when we are well off? When you're not broke? When you actually have enough to make ends meet? When you're not struggling? God is not just testing you when you have nothing. He's testing you when you have something. Did you know that? So, when you say, God, please bring the kingdom, he's saying, You bring the kingdom. And when we say, God, I want to use my money like you would use my money, but just give me more money and then I'll use my money like you would use your money. No, 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 no. If you're broke, it requires faith. If you're rich, it requires faith. Did you know that Jesus said, You cannot please God? The scriptures say, You cannot please God unless you have faith. It's impossible. Which means we could all be sitting in this room right now giving a million dollars each, singing at the top of our lungs, and listening to every word that comes out of the scriptures with no faith, and God is not happy. But you could be in this room giving one dollar with a broken hallelujah and weeping at the word, and he is smiling over you. It takes faith to please God. We need faith to steward this money like he would steward it. Why? Because it's not my money. It's his. Paul says that seed to the sower. And there are a lot of examples in the scriptures that use agricultural terms. Um, And I believe that they use that on purpose because... I think that Paul is saying in a way that we need to have faith, yes, but we need to have specific faith. I think Paul is saying we need to have faith like a farmer. Faith like a farmer in that what? A farmer, he takes the seed and he seemingly wastes it in the ground. Doesn't see it. And then he doesn't know how the soil is going to behave. He doesn't know what the weather is going to do. He doesn't know what animals are going to come by. And yet he sows the seed believing that he is going to reap a harvest. And some of us need to get that same faith like a farmer that we give our money saying, yeah, it might seem like I'm wasting it, but I don't know what the economy is going to do. I don't know what inflation is going to do. I don't know what the county is going to do. I don't know what health is going to do, but I'm going to sow the seed regardless, believing that I'm going to reap on the other side. This is the principle that we have in giving. Is that if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. But if we sow bountifully, then we will reap bountifully. He's saying that your money, it's like a seed. And when you sow that seed in faith bountifully, God will have you reap bountifully. But if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow with fear, if we plant our money, the seed of our money in fear and with lack and having a plan B and not trusting God, he's saying, you'll reap sparingly. See, none of our hands are empty. God has given every single one of us something and he's asking that we would be faithful with the thing that he's given us. And maybe some of us in this room have gotten to the point in our heads now where we're saying, well, Pastor, I worked for this money, though. <sighs> okay. You might be saying, you, I, like, I get it. It's his, but like... I went to work for 40 hours to get that paycheck. Like, I I gave up a lot to get that money. Like, God didn't work for that. Well, yes, he did. But, like, I worked for it. If you want to keep that logic, okay. I don't know about you, but I do not want a relationship with God that is based on what I work for I get. If you want to treat God like that, I believe he will respect your will. And he might give you what you work for. (laughs) Y'all are so fun. Who gave you that mind to be able to solve problems like you do in your workplace? I know, you did cultivate it. Yes, you sharpened it, absolutely, but who gave it to you in the first place? Who gave you the ability to teach 12-year-olds math every day? Not everybody can do that, but you can. I know you sharpened it, you went to school, but who gave you that mind? You're, You're great at leading an entire organization through problems and difficulty in a way that other people cannot do. Who gave you that ability? You didn't work for that. He gave that to you. We steward simply what he has given us. Yes, you have worked for it. And listen, God loves work. Uh, um, uh, Colossians says that we work unto the Lord and not for man. And when we do that in faith, he is pleased and honored. And I believe it's even worship unto him. I love it. Please work hard. A hundred percent. God loves work. And here's the thing. Sometimes we say, well, I worked for it. God, you need to give me what I worked for. Be very careful with that. Just be very careful because he actually might. Might. Some of us would love for God to give us more, and then we will give more. The issue with that is that the scriptures say if you're faithful with little, then you're faithful with much. If you are not faithful with what you have now, why would God give you more to be unfaithful with? This is a principle and we don't even need the scriptures to tell us that. We could use our own mind, rationalize. we'll say, if this person isn't wise with what they, little they have, why would they get more and all of the sudden be wise with the much? And God is saying, what I've given you, everybody has something. And what you have right now is a test. Are you going to be faithful and faith, have faith like a farmer and steward it like it's his? Because if you do, it says, if you are faithful with little, God is faithful and he will give you faith and he will, and he sees that you are faithful with much. And I'm convinced that some of us feel unfulfilled in our money because we break at the blessing. And I don't mean like break, B-R-E-A-K, I mean break, like B-R-A-K-E. Like we are unfulfilled in our money because we stop once we're blessed. Because we think God's ultimate goal is to bless me. And once I'm blessed, God is done. I did my job. He and I are cool. That is not God's ultimate goal. And when we break at the blessing, we actually realize, and the scripture is true, that it is better to give than it is to receive. And I would suggest that the reason why you might feel unfulfilled isn't because you're not fortunate. It's because you're not finished. It has not been completed. Yes, you have gotten blessed, but you have yet to bless somebody else. Therefore, you feel unfulfilled in your money no matter how much you get. Because you break. You considered it. It was my time to stop as soon as I was blessed by God. And God says, no, 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 no. That's what I, I don't just want to get things to you. It's trivial, but it's true. He wants to get things through you. You are not the end goal. Of the blessing of God. Remember Abraham. God talks to him. He says I'm going to bless you. Make you the father of many nations. But he doesn't stop there. He says so that you can bless everybody else. This is our Christian heritage. You receive blessings so that you can be a blessing. And some of us feel unfulfilled. It's because we break at the blessing. It is better to give. Than it is to receive. Jesus wants you to maximize. Whatever you're holding. There's a. Story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25 and we can't read the whole thing, but I want to summarize it for you. Jesus uh, tells the story of a master and servants one master and he says three servants and he says, I'm going away on a trip. You don't know when I'm coming back, but I'm going to give you all something to steward while I'm gone. He looks at his three servants and he gives one man five talents. He gives another man two talents. He gives the third man one talent and he says, now work it. I'm going to be back at a time you don't know and he's given it to them according to their ability. Now, a talent is not your skill or aptitude in a certain area. This, measure, this was a measurement of money. And so a talent, exactly what it is, it's, uh, the, the commentaries I read, it is 15 years wage. What do you make? Times 15. That's what he gave the man with one. He gives them all this money, and he says, I'm going away. I'll be back at some point. I want to see what you did with it. Jesus comes back what happens is that he sees the man who had five, he made five more, he has 10. Jesus looks at him, the master looks at the servant, and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of your master. And he looks at the man who had two and made four. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of your master. And he looks at the man who had one and that man buried his talent in the ground. The master comes back, he says, what did you do with it? He said, master, I knew that you were scary and you reaped where you did not sow and I didn't want to lose the money, so I buried it. Here, you may have what is yours. And the master looks at him and he says, you slothful and wicked man. And he casts that man into outer darkness. And then he takes the one that that man had and gives it to the man who had ten. Jesus wants you to maximize whatever he has given you. And when he gave you something, he doesn't expect for you to just hold it and bury it and give it back to him the way that he gave it to you. The master says, I could have done that. That's not why I gave it to you. He's like, you at least should have put it in the bank. And if you put it in the bank, it would have at least got interest. But you just buried it because you were scared. And in the kingdom of God, hear this, it is not about how well you do. It is about how well you do with what you've been given. You have been given something and Jesus will not hold you accountable for what somebody else has. Some of us get so tripped up because we don't want to use what we have because we're jealous of what somebody else has. And therefore we don't maximize our gift because we're too busy eyeing somebody else's gift. Don't let your wandering eye stop your faithful hand. You ought to be faithful with whatever God has given you. It might not be what you want, but it's what you got. And God is saying, be faithful with what I've given you. And if you're faithful with that, you hear the words that every believer wants to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of your master. You see, Jesus does not judge you on what he gave to somebody else. That's important. Because he will not expect, EXP, you to give him more than what you got. But he will not accept ACC. Less than what you have. Jesus does not expect you to give him more than what you've got. But he won't accept less than what you have. And he has given you something. And he expects you to maximize that thing. Why? Because fear does not please God. This man, he was scared of the master. He didn't have the heart of the master. He was like, I I think that he would be really mad if I lost it, which is a misunderstanding of the master. He's like, I think you're going to be scared if I lose it, so I'm just going to bury it instead. That's a scarcity mindset. That's a hoarding mindset. That's a selfish mindset, and that's not a mindset that pleases God. Yes, does God want to get something to you? Yes. Does he want to get something through you? Yes, I also believe God wants to get something into you into you and that he gave something to all of these men, but something was in the first two. They had the heart of the master. This third man did not have the heart of his master. He didn't know how to steward the money, the master's money well, because he didn't know the master. He made a wrong judgment about who he was and his character. Therefore, he was scared. He didn't do anything with it. You might not have what you want, but you have to be faithful with what you have. Did you know in the scriptures that God never tells somebody to bless themselves? It doesn't mean that people don't do it. Like people in scripture, they do bless themselves, but God never tells anybody to bless themselves. You you look at um, uh, uh, Lot. He blessed himself, didn't turn out well. You look at Absalom, he blessed himself, didn't turn out well. You look at Samson, he blessed himself, it didn't turn out well. God never tells you to bless yourself. Why? Because it's not your responsibility. It is always the master's responsibility to bless the servant. And when you misunderstand that, I can see why you're so anxious about money because you think it's your job to bless you. So you're trying to get all of the money you have and make sure that you're blessed by it. That's terrifying. That's anxiety inducing. That's worrying because you're always considering, am I blessed? Am I blessed? Is this enough? Is this enough? But if you understand that it is not your responsibility to bless you, it is God's responsibility to bless you, then you will not start sowing sparingly and burying your talent. You will use it and maximize it for the glory of God. Because it's not your job to bless you. And he is, remember last week, a faithful good father who desires to give you the kingdom. He wants to bless you. Don't break at the blessing and don't think it's your job and your responsibility to bless yourself. How much more free would you feel if you knew it is not my responsibility to make sure I'm blessed? That's God's responsibility. And he is a good father. As I close, Christians and followers of Jesus need to get really comfortable with receiving and releasing. That is the rhythm of the Christian steward. That is the rhythm of holding it like it's his. Is that we get into this rhythm of receiving and releasing, receiving and releasing, receiving and releasing. That looks like us actually seeing rightly where the gift comes from. Now, we live with an open hand, ready to receive and ready to release. The issue is that when we don't see money rightly and we believe the lie that it's my money, we try and hold on to things, receive things that we ought not hold on to. And trust me, friends, if you are full, God does not pour into full containers. You have to be empty in order to receive. I don't know about you... I need God to help me understand what I need to receive and what I need to release. Because if it wasn't for God, I would receive things I got no business receiving and I would release things I got no business releasing. I would be living as the Lord of my own money and making every decision to make sure I'm blessed and I can do whatever I want it to do. But Christians, as we search the scriptures, we see that it is actually those who have empty hands that can get full ones. God doesn't pour into full containers. And why would God try and give you something when your hands are already full of things you've been holding on to? Your hands are full. We need to be able to receive, which means we need to be ready to release. If it was up to me, I would be holding things I got no business holding because I think they're good for me. But God is asking us to get comfortable with releasing. You see, our reluctancy to release, I believe, reveals our trust in God. Do you trust him enough to release what you have, knowing that he is good enough to fill your hands again? He does not give you yearly bread, friends. He does not give you monthly bread. He gives you daily bread. You need to go to him every day saying, God, tell me what to receive and tell me what to release. Because this is not my money. This is your money. And I want to use it the way that you would use it. As I close, there was a time when I was in youth ministry, the youth pastor here, where I had a revelation of receiving and releasing. I was, we were doing tithes and offering with the middle schoolers and the high schoolers, and when tithes and offering goes around, the the offering bucket goes around, and there were a bunch of middle schoolers and high schoolers who would, you could see in their face as they gave this pain because they knew what they were missing out on. You could see they were like, man, I could buy stuff on like like Fortnite with this or, or I could like buy something at the vending machine when I go to school or I could do all these things and you could see it in their face. Like, I don't wanna give this, but mom told me to give it, so I'm gonna give it. And it was like this painful experience for some of these like 12 year olds. And I'll never forget as the bucket was going around, there was an adult leader who had a daughter in the ministry and as the bucket went around, every kid was grimacing at the thought of giving, that money away and all of a sudden the daughter is sitting there minding her business while the dad taps her on the shoulder and he gives her a $10 bill and that $10 bill goes from the father's hand to the daughter's hand straight into the tithes and offering bucket and I'll never forget the look on her face because she did it smiling and I felt like that was a picture of how we ought to receive and release in the kingdom of God. Because when we are fearful to release, what it does is that it exposes where we actually think the source comes from. If you're scared to sow, that might just mean that you think you're the source. Because this little girl, she got the money from dad and put it straight in. Why? Because she was like, this ain't my money. This affects me none at all. But the, how pure is that confidence from a child who's like this isn't my money so I can freely give it away because I know that dad has more. And I know that dad's not going to put me in a bad situation. I know that dad's going to take care of me and his desire is to give me the kingdom. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a cheerful heart and I'm going to be able to receive and release, receive and release, receive and release. Do you know your father? Because if you know your father, you're not going to be scared to sow bountifully. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof he lacks nothing and he desires to give you the kingdom we ought not believe the lie that money tells us that this is my money no friend you have a good father who desires to give you good things and in faith would we be a church that does not see our money as our money but stewards it as his, maximizing it, receiving it, and releasing it, whoops, because we trust the hand of our Father. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. There is nobody like you. Lord, we want a revelation. Would you just help us, Lord, in a moment, right now, give us a revelation that you never lack, that you desire to give us the kingdom. And Lord Jesus, we can then so bountifully as a cheerful giver because of who you are.